This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kirpin. Now, Carrie Kirpin. So sometimes the world connects you in the most mysterious of ways. When I went to interview Nizzy, who's the CMO of Zazzle, I, I didn't expect, I knew that I knew her through Zazzle because I had other, all the social lady, in fact, Kelly Agnich was on our show from Zazzle, uh, but I didn't realize that we went to school and graduated in the exact same year together. So worlds definitely collide and I just loved listening to her story. She's been at some of the most successful startups in the world and is currently now leading the marketing charge over at Zazzle and she's taking their marketplace ecosystem to reach new heights. I want you to hear the story, hear the story of her career and hear what she's able to do there and you will be wholly impressed like I was. Uh, I feel very honored actually that I got to go to school with her and so here's Nizzy. Welcome, Nizzy, to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited and, and eager to be chatting with you and your listeners. Oh, I'm so thrilled to have you on. And I would love to know, Nizzy, the story of your career. Tell me a little bit about how you became you, where you are today. Well, you know, one of the things that I like to reflect on is is that that great Mark Twain quote, which is, uh, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And I don't think I've completely solved the why, but what I really knew early on, you know, sort of high school, junior high, was that the, my why was going to involve communications in some form or the other. Um, and so here I am, you know, close to 20 years later uh, with it, uh, after um, a college with a career in marketing communications. And, you know, I, I've sort of done many different industries, but, but had a similar function in um, working my way up and collecting interests and skills and passions along the way. So it's from your start, did you know in college what you wanted to do? I did. And actually, you know, kicking off my career really started with my college, which is something that you and I have in common. I which know. Is, I, for those who, who don't know, I mean, Emerson is this phenomenal communications only school. And it's, you know, all types of communications, if you will. And it really was a pivotal part of, of my, my foray into the larger realm of what it means to be a marketer and a communicator. And, and certainly um, we went, when we went there, you know, social media was, was you know, a twinkle in someone's eye, probably. Um, Absolutely. But, um, I wonder, I wonder, because there was no, there was not, we didn't have email addresses in college. You know how everyone gets like the college yeah. email address and then now they don't have them anymore because I guess, I guess kids don't even use email anymore. But at that time, I remember like we, we went to the computer lab. It was really nuts. Yeah, yeah it was nuts. Um, but you know, the thing that I really credit Emerson with, I credit with many things, but, but it really also got me off on the right foot by making internships a mindset. Yes. And uh, at least in my department, it was mandatory to graduate. Yes. 
So, so really, you know, I remember looking at that book of internships and kind of picking through and, and Emerson phenomenal that way in terms of guiding you and, and making sure you get great placement. And, and sort of, I started off uh, sophomore year with my first internship, um, you know, which was an agency, a, a marketing communications agency uh, on Newbury Street. And, um, you know, that was sort of my starting ground. And, and you know, what's really funny is my, uh, my first boss from that agency is, is, is a great friend and good mentor to this day. So it's really one of those fun stories. But, you know, so, so, so to sort of uh, to talk about it in broad strokes, you know, I started off agency side um, uh, in undergraduate, uh, and I can't recommend enough kind of the rigor of starting off uh, with agency or management consulting, which yep. is actually what I did after my graduate degree for a little bit of time. And simply because, you know, the discipline that you get, the work ethic and the exposure to multiple industries yep. are just a great training ground. I, you know, a lot of guests talk about that, about starting their career in agency. And I think that that's, that's so true because you get that variety that you would never, you get the exposure to so many different things to learn what you like. Yes. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so I- and then you you understand sort of how different organizations operate, even though your agency or management consulting side, you're really getting a great insight into sort of um, the emotional quotient, if you will, of, of different companies as well, which I think you know has played played a role for me throughout. Um, so so I started out with this foray into management consulting after graduate uh, school, which was also at Emerson, by the way. Um, and then awesome. Yeah, I moved quickly over to uh, agency side after my graduate degree and, you know, started off with, you know, all sorts of clients, everything from the American Cancer Society to Fidelity Investments, Samsung and Ford Motor Company. But but the funny story here is where I truly got my start in all things digital and digital marketing was at a company up in Canada called Rugman.com. And and I don't even know if Rugman.com is still around. I should probably <laughs> see. Um, but Rugman.com was a website that started as an eBay business that sold, believe it or not, rugs. Um, and <laughs> sold luxury Persian rugs online. Okay. And and this was uh, in 2001, 2002. And, and I always tell people that if you can sell a $1,000 rug or $5,000 rug in 2002, everything else since then has been so much easier. Yes. Yes. Because, and that, again, was, a, you know, sort of really the, the beginning for me of the digital marketing sort of exposure to everything from the power of email to um, SEM and SEO, all those different pieces, and, and really sort of started for me kind of the business of acquiring different skill sets that I call kind of part of my toolkit, if you will. Um, so really that exposure across whether it was affiliates, uh, programs, you name it, it was really that exposure, direct mail, um, and, and that was a really um, fun learning experience, if you will. Um, now, from rugs, I went back to agency side um, as a VP or kind of second in command, and it, it got really interesting for me because it was very tech-focused. Um, so agency side focused on a lot of tech companies, and back then, you know, community was such a key part. Um, forums, forum management, 
was a key part. We worked closely with Autodesk was one of our clients and, you know, thinking about how, how they sort of engage with one another in forums was a, was a key part of our day-to-day existence uh, on the agency. Um, we were also the digital agency of record for the Liberal Party of Canada, which is, uh, you know, sort of the equivalent of the Democrats up in Canada. Okay. Um, and we were doing sort of early fundraising via email. Um, but I think, you know, as I think about my career and I think about where social media has really started to emerge, this was the heyday of MySpace. And I, I really, I distinctly recall um, one of our clients was HarperCollins, HarperCollins Canada. And I distinctly recall setting up uh, MySpace pages for all of their authors who had books coming out. Um, so, so MySpace was it. And my, MySpace was sort of becoming it even on the business end of things. Um, Twitter had just started up around that time, and there was a lot of personal usage. But really, at that time, it was all about MySpace. So way back when, flashback. Amazing. So first foray into social media in that space as well. And so that that ended up being a part of what you did there. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, So then after a few more years, agency world, kind of the siren call of going in-house, you know, loomed large for me. And I I moved back to the U.S. and and became the vice president online at Atari. Um, and I don't know if people still know what Atari is. Do you um, think they Atari, do? Because I mean, Atari was a huge part of my life. I, I wonder if yeah. like millennials know what Atari, they must now. They, they must I think they do. I think there's a retro and, and Atari still actually, um, around, people don't right? know Atari. Atari is still around and it's still producing, um, video games, uh, you know, sort of a lot of licensed video games, if you will. Um, but, but, but my role there was really about, um, video games and online, and what does that mean? And digital downloads. And that was the early days of Facebook and, and Facebook for business. And, you know, one of the key things about the gaming industry is they, it, gaming, um, just in general by nature of what, what it's about, kind of strives to be a first mover digitally. So, again, it became this great training ground for all things social um, Facebook had started accepting kind of these Facebook widgets, if you will. It was the early days of Farmville. Um, so it was a really, you know, Facebook games um, were really coming into prominence then. And it was it was right around that time when Facebook had moved, you know, from being for college kids to kind of other people exploring it. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so from Atari, uh, I moved on to what was a, a smaller startup at the time, about three years old, called Etsy. Um, and I think oh, a, a little, lot of people a little know known Etsy. startup at that time. Well, people may not know Atari. They definitely, <laughs> definitely know Etsy. And that makes me so happy because this was really long before people knew what Etsy was outside of How the community. How many people were there when you joined? How many people were there? There were 50 of us in a <gasps> hovel in downtown Brooklyn. Oh my God. Okay. So you're at Etsy. It's in startup. I'm at Etsy. And and my job was, was really, you know, it was three years old and was really about the growth and, and the brand. I was the head of marketing and merchandising. Um, And there was many, many different things that we did at that time, but you know, the growth at the time was very much about the concept of earned media. Um, Etsy wasn't looking to sort of pay, you know, pay a lot of money to grow. Um, And what better way than content creation and social and, you know, partnerships and the like to fuel growth. And, and really for Etsy, you know, Twitter was a key part of that mix. Um, we were really fortunate in that um, in the early days, even of Twitter and of Etsy, uh, we were one of the recommended accounts to follow when you first signed on to Twitter. Yes, 
Yes. So and you, that so made that, a huge yeah. difference at the time. I, that was a huge thing. Yeah, it was a huge thing. And, and I remember the, that milestone day uh, vividly when we reached a million Twitter followers. Crazy. Um, it was a crazy thing. And it was a crazy thing for a business at that time. You know, sort of the, the other folks at the million mark, I think back then, might have still been Justin Bieber, but I'm not sure. <laughs> um, even back then, I think he had just come out. But um, but yeah, it was sort of a celebrity thing. And, and really for business to reach a million, it was it was a big deal and exciting for us. Um, you know, of course, Facebook was was key uh, and and is key for Etsy sellers to promote themselves. Um, I I left Etsy kind of before Pinterest exploded, but now if you if you go on Pinterest as much as I do, you can't escape all things Etsy. If, of if course, so DIY. Of course. Um, yeah, so so it was a fun time and a fun fun time to be at Etsy when you know. And while I was there, we went from people really not knowing what we are were to to being being known. And certainly Etsy now, I, I think, is the name that most people know. Um, so exciting and and honored to have been part of that process. Um, okay, so you were part of that huge explosive growth, and then what happened? Yeah. And then I was at um, a brief foray into media and fashion at a company called Refinery29. Know that um, one too. A lot of yes. great startups. Amazing. Yeah. And just very quickly on that, what I would say is that, you know, they were early pioneers and, and really sort of exposed me to, to Instagram. So that Instagram, of course, for visuals was key. And, you know, using Instagram to kind of capture fashions at Coachella um, was key. And the beauty of Instagram, too, was that the visual was global. So you really could reach a global audience because you didn't have to have words. Um, so, so I right, think it kind of transcended the need. It transcended yeah. the need to customize. Yes. 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 Awesome. So, so in short, all of these roles, experiences, industries, skill sets lead me up to my current uh, gig at Zazzle. So I'm the chief marketing officer at Zazzle. It's a role in a company I love, and it's actually a company I changed coast for. I moved from Brooklyn to uh, the suburbs of uh, Silicon Valley for, wow. for Zazzle, um, and it's been a fantastic, uh, fantastic job so far. I've been here about three years. Um, I know you've had uh, my dear Kelly Agnich on here. Yes, uh, she's another sister. social lady. Yeah, and um, so I know we've talked about Zazzle before. Um, so let me know if I if I should expand on, on what Zazzle is about. But um, but well, yeah, we're doing some great fun things over here. Why don't you give our listeners who haven't heard Kelly's podcast just a brief kind of snapshot of who Zazzle is, what, how it's different. I think sometimes it's hard uh, when explaining Zazzle how it is different from an Etsy, and it, because it really is, and really talking about. Uh, what it is exactly that you guys do and what makes you so phenomenal and special. Sure thing. So, so Zazzle really is, is an e-commerce marketplace. It's a technology company and it's an ecosystem. Um, so like any good marketplace and ecosystem, there's a few different ways to interact. But at its core, we're about the concept of customization and making products on demand, having custom products for you. So there's a few ways. Uh, consumers can come and customize uh, products that are on our site. We have over 300 different products and growing. We add like five or seven each week. It's phenomenal. Um, it's also a site where designers can come and make a living or a side income by setting up a Zazzle store and selling their designs on these custom products. 
it's also a place where makers and manufacturers can sell their custom goods. So we're opening up our marketplace so that people can self-serve themselves as long as they have a customized product. And last but not least, actual brands uh, sell on our site as well. So Disney, Marvel, Angry Birds, Barbie, they all have their licensed designs on Zazzle products that you can customize. We're, we're one of the only places other than Disney.com, which we power, where you can go get your custom frozen uh, products or custom inside out products as well. That's incredible. Um, so the ability to use kind of that licensing to and, and still have that custom feel, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's so a well over 300 different products, and a big swath of those, I think what people don't know, a big swath of those are manufactured here in the U.S., in our facilities. Mm. Um, so we're actually making here in the U.S., which is an unusual thing, you know, and it's definitely unique value for that we're also makers ourselves. Um, we are in over 16 domains. Um, and, uh, you know, do about 30 million monthly visitors each month and growing. So, wow. So that's the Zazzle story. So as the CMO of Zazzle, you're looking at all of the different ways that you can market and grow your audience and really help, help grow traffic, help grow orders, all of these different things. How important is social to the organization and how, uh, how, how big of the marketing mix is it? Within, within your total marketing mix, how big is social's role, would you say? So social, I think, is, is just growing in significance and importance for us daily. Um, we've, we've played around with a few different ways to approach social. And, and currently, right now, where it sort of seems to best serve us is as an engagement vehicle for customers and designers. Um, we're, we're investing more heavily in kind of this user-generated content. Mm-hmm. Um, speaks to the heart of what we're about, that personalization, that customization. So, you know, that's a key part. Um, social is also where people reach out to us daily, either either with questions, so, that, so I can't emphasize enough how critical social is for that ongoing daily dialogue. Um, and really, you know, every, every year I expand my, I also oversee customer support at Zazzle, and I expand the people focused on social media um, within customer support because it just becomes more and more critical. Well, because we the have, shift itself, right? The shift the goes shift to social. Itself. When people when people have an issue, they take it right to social media now in they, a different way they, than it used to. They really do. And and there's an, an immediate reaction. There's two other ways that social plays a big part of our mix. One is um, we're obviously tested and are testing the waters with social as an advertising vehicle. Um, you know, with with different results across different platforms, whether it's promoted pins, whether it's um, you know playing around with sponsored things on Facebook. So so it does it does play a, a role for us there. I think retargeting via Facebook is a very interesting channel. Um, and we're cur- in our current fiscal. So as I'm as I'm looking to our our next our fiscal year, if you will, and planning. Um, carefully sitting down and thinking about how much money am I going to be allocating to social and sort of in a nutshell, it's going to be more and more this, this year coming up. Well, I Um, think also for you, as you're currently looking at it as an engagement channel, it's, it's 
harder always to measure. But when you start to see yeah. the retargeting and those capabilities, you're able to see the return and then it's, it's, it makes sense to allocate more. And so it, it kind of, the way I see it is the retargeting, the, all the abilities for conversion allow for a greater justification of budget, which continues along the engagement front. I, I think it's such a great thing to have that, that sort of mix between the engagement and the ability to convert. It's, it's really incredible. Yeah, it's it's very true. And I think, you know, what if you if you look to social as an immediate kind of revenue driver, um, that's gonna be tough and that's proven tough. And and that's that's hard as a marketer when you are incredibly ROI driven and we actually use a metric called uh, effective revenue share. Um so it's a it's an interesting sort of finance driven marketing metric. Um, and if I held social up to that sort of uh, ERS metric, um, it wouldn't, it may not, uh, and it doesn't always pan out. Right, because um, it's, not it's not as direct. It's not as direct. It's not as direct. Yeah. But there, there's so many other things to do around measurement of social. And, you know, last but not least, I would just say, you know, the way I think about social and, and what's so key is our social media manager sits next to our merchandisers. Um, and that's intentional so that we have a dialogue going on because what, what, and her name is Kelly and she has this podcast. So just, I'm referring to her by her name. Um, what, what, what Kelly sees, um, is key for our merchandisers to know what she is seeing, um, out there on social, the trend she's seeing, the designer who, who tweets at us or posts something on Instagram. Um, I want our merchandising team to be sort of immediately apprised of that, to, to know right away this is kind of what's trending. Because we can adjust accordingly. We can sort of take advantage of what's going on in the cultural zeitgeist or, or um, trends that are happening with wedding invitations. You know, it, it, is, it is an opportunity for us. So that's, that's sort of the synchronicity that I'm looking for there. I love that. It sounds like listening is a large piece of your strategy there because you're really looking at what's out there and the trends that are happening so that you can then work directly with merchandising. That is phenomenal. Yeah. I love that. Okay. And so you're not, you're not necessarily measuring social by effective revenue share because then it wouldn't, it probably wouldn't meet along the other, along the other uh, channels that you're using. Yeah. So are yeah. you measuring social based on engagement? Are you measuring it on reach? What, what demonstrates success for you in social? Right now, it's um, a mixture of engagement uh, and, um, and and sort of all the metrics that fall along with that. Uh, so um, the pressure isn't on social right now. It was on earlier when we thought, why why can't we see sort of that direct line? Um, it's not on it right now. But the pressure I need to, um, especially with retargeting, of course, the social advertising, um, the pressure comes back on, and hopefully that then supports the larger, uh, you know, allocation of budget towards the larger social mix, if you will. Absolutely. And I would imagine that for you, for content in general, when you're talking about and promoting Zazzle, there's got to be a little bit of a challenge because of the vast amount of products and the vast amount of customization that you have. It's probably very challenging, right, to be able to create, decide what content will resonate best for Zazzle followers and, and people who are in the community. Yes. 
Yeah, so that that is that is a key part of it too. So the ability to test and and certainly our merchandising team that sort of visually merchandising the site can see what's performing, um, and and um, social media can see what what got sort of the most clicks or the most likes or the most retweets, what have you. So I think I think it sort of has to work hand in hand. Um, right now, I mean, you know, you can't beat pets. <laughs> so I know they love the pets. Let people That's love the pets. It. Because so, pet products um, with cute animals. Yep, Frenchies, and, all, all things Frenchies. Love it, love it. Animals <laughs> and babies, it's the way to yep. go. So Nizzy, it's tell true. me your favorite network that Zazzle, the, you think the network that Zazzle is doing the best job on, and then your favorite network to use personally as a social media user. Sure. Um, you know, I have to say, I think, I think, we do a great job, not just as a social media, but as a customer support agency with, with Twitter. Yes. Uh, when people tweet at us and, yes. and I think we respond immediately and I think we just do a phenomenal job. And, and really, um, you know, Kelly had talked about this in her podcast, but we have different, a different approach for each channel. Um, but I'm proud of how, how quickly we respond and react, um, on the, on that channel. Certainly. Um, for and how me about personally, for you? Yeah. yeah, personally. So here's the funny, here's the funny part of this. I, I would, I'm obsessed and love social media across all the channels. I am not, uh, I mean, I'm barely, if you want to keep up with me on Facebook, you have to be a, my husband's Facebook friend. <laughs> um, I don't post. <laughs> you um, don't post. I, I love Twitter. I read my Twitter feed obsessively. I don't tweet. Oh, that's um, good, though. You're a lurker. I love lurkers. I'm a complete, 100% community lurker. You're a community um, lurker. Yes, I love, I love, 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 and ch- check everything obsessively, but I don't actually create. And I, I'm not sure if that needs to be something I change this year or not. I, I, I don't think know that it does. I, th- I think that your approach, just in listening to you, uh, a lot of your approach lies in listening. I mean, it's all about listening to your customer. That's why Twitter's your favorite channel there. Being on and, and listening to what people have to say. I think that's fasc- fascinating and fabulous. Yeah. So, so, so you. The you don't need to create like, the content. Yeah. You don't need to. <laughs> there you go. So, so I do pin, but I find I pin for myself and I get so self-conscious when, when people I don't know have repinned something. Right. Or, I'm like, oh my goodness! Wait, they know, you know they know what that? home things I like. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, so I'm ultimate lurker, but I love that you reframed it as listener. I'll take that. You are a listener lurker. There's no <laughs> shame in your game, Nizzy. Not at all. I love it. I love it. So tell me, tell me uh, before we end, I would love to know. You know, we have a lot of young listeners who are likely aspiring CMOs. What do you think it takes? Uh, to get to that type of position? If you had any advice or skill set or something uh, that gets you to the position where you are today, where I'm sure many, many young women are looking up to and saying, I would like to be a future Nizzy, what do you think it takes? So there's a few pieces, I think. Um, you really can't escape the basics of reading, writing, arithmetic. Yep. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, the writing and math part are, are key to communication and to measuring. 
Um, so, so for those people who feel like, you know, why do I have to do math? Or those people who are like, why, why do I have to sort of craft something? You never get away from that, even at, even in, at, at the CMO level. And it, it's a key skill that those are key skills that will carry you far. The reading part, you know, I mean, that's been the theme throughout, right, our, our call today. The reading is really listening to keep up on what's taking place out there. Yeah. Um, so, so keeping abreast of what's going on, listening to podcasts like this, like, like those are all pieces that are, I think, key to success and that's certainly been key to mine. So, so reading, writing, arithmetic. But the other part that, that I feel strongly about is, is the concept of emotional intelligence. And, and really empathy. And, and what I mean by that is empathy is what, what can help you succeed in, in understanding your consumers, understanding your audience, or ultimately as you become a leader, you know, growing yourself and, and growing others. So, so, so not to ignore kind of the emotional intelligence pieces of what it means to kind of exist in the workplace, exist in society, and exist in, in this world. So, so really for me, so those fundamental skills and um, the emotional quotient as well. Like I, all of those things combined. I think what you said is key because the emotional quotient, you, you can't get to a position of CMO without really understanding and learning how to be a good manager. And I yeah. think that you need that EQ to be able to grow to a position where you want to grow and challenge others. And I think that's such a key, that's such a key piece of the equation too. I love that. No, I, I think it so helps. And so much of this is about how you work with, with others. If you're going to be in anything related to marketing, it just isn't a siloed function. And so that part is just a key piece. And, um, and, and you can't get away from math and you can't get away from being a strong writer and, and uh, check, check your spelling. <laughs> I know. Well, I'll tell you, I think Emerson needs a little bit of a, of a greater focus and accountability around math. I only yeah. had to take one math class. And I remember that when I, when I got into the position that I was in, I had grown to a certain point in marketing. I was like, uh-oh, I really should have maybe paid a little more attention. <laughs> Attention to some of my math classes. It's true. It's true because it's a numbers game. It's really important to understand your yes. numbers and know your numbers. Awesome. Yes. Well, Nizzy, thank you so much for taking the time. You know, I know how busy you are and I just, I really appreciated your pearls of wisdom and I just thought it was such a great story and you've been, you've had quite a career, some, some great companies and amazing stories. Thank you. Thank you. It, it's been a, it's been a pleasure um, oh, and happy to share. Good. So where should people follow you and where should they follow Zazzle if they don't already from listening to Kelly's podcast? So don't follow me, but please, please follow Zazzle. At Zazzle on all of the um, great uh, social media channels that are that are out there. Please, please do. We love to connect with you there. And, and sometimes even I'm the one connecting, uh, just not through my personal channels. But by all means, if you'd like to LinkedIn me, send me a note and we'll chat. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Nizzy, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Carrie. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.